0: Welcome to a brand new episode of 20 Minute Playbook, a show about how the misfits, rebels, and idealists shaping our world got to the top of their game and how they stay there. Where each week I sit down with an elite performer from iconic founders and CEOs to world-renowned investors and best-selling authors to dive into everything from their favorite habits, tools, and books to a favorite failure and their definition of success, all in less than 20 minutes. I'm Daniel Scribner, and on the show today, I sit down with Chris Saru, who found and signed multi-platinum and Grammy Award-nominated rapper Logic, launching an incredible career as the CEO of Visionary Music Group. What's more incredible is that's after Chris was rejected from every major music label after trying to break into the industry as an intern. The common response that he got back was that he lacked enough experience. He even got a rejection letter from Def Jam, who later became the record label to sign Logic. I could go on and on with so many more stories, but I'm just going to stop there. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Sarou. That's Chris, Z-A-R-O-U. And you can find Visionary Music Group online at teamvisionary.com. For links to everything we cover, as well as our favorite takeaways from Chris, visit outlieracademy.com 70. Let's jump in with Chris Saru, founder and CEO of Visionary Music Group. Chris Saru, thank you so much for coming on 20-Minute Playbook. I'm super excited to have you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So this should be a lot of fun. It's a totally different interview than our long-form one. This show's a little bit faster pace. So I'll ask you the same 10 questions we ask every guest. Let's jump in. The first one, we always ask every guest if there's something you've been excited or fascinated about recently, just like what's been living in your brain that you can't stop thinking about.
1: (laughs) This wasn't recently. It's probably been 18-month fascination for me. I went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, which led me to crypto, which led me to Web3. So that... Curiosity has kind of evolved. But yeah, I'm just enamored by it. I can see the ways it's going to change everything. It's so exciting to me, the disruption that it's gonna create, which is better for everyone. So it's probably just entirely web three if I could boil it down to one thing. I don't have enough time in my day to learn as much as I wanna learn, but yeah,
0: I'm very excited about that space. Yeah, that's a deep, deep, deep rabbit hole. Oh, it's so deep, (laughs) In the last interview we had, you talked a little about your process for learning, and I feel like I can't not ask you to share a little bit of that here. So if we could maybe just roll back the tapes on whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Web3, whether it's DeFi stuff, you're interested in this. What is your process for taking that from zero to one and feeling like you really understand it and you're going down the rabbit hole?
1: Sure. I try to reach into my network and find a connection or an introduction to what I've identified as subject matter experts in the space. and. I think you'd be surprised and maybe people aren't fortunate to have a network that i've been fortunate enough to build over the decade of my career i think you'd be surprised as cold reaching out to somebody they love to talk about what their passion is and people love to talk about what they love. And I think just being able to sit across from them over Zoom on a phone call and I just pepper them with questions that I have going on in my head. And maybe it's when I started to develop my thesis on what I believe Bitcoin was going to represent in the world, talking to three or four or five of the people that I thought were experts on the subject, basically spitballing them my thesis and seeing if they thought that was right, which it could be that simple. And I don't care how I'm viewed, if I'm looked as ignorant or I'm looked at as silly or stupid, it doesn't bother me. I'm going into that conversation completely selfishly to try and learn everything I can about what I'm interested in.
0: And so coming out of that, I'm sure you leave with so many questions, so many sites to visit, so many things to go and pull up. Do you then also have some process where you're like focused on finding height? Because I feel like there's two phases. There's like you're kicking it off and you're really trying to understand it. And then there's the now I need to keep my pulse on this thing. What is your approach to that?
1: Yeah. I think keeping my pulse, I care less about because once I fundamentally believe I understand something, I can kind of let it go and move on to something else. So I'm not in daily Bitcoin stuff as I used to be because I spent months going down that rabbit hole and and learning everything I needed to learn.
0: And that frees you up for the next thing.
1: Yeah. And then it's compounding knowledge because then maybe I'll understand other stuff in the Web3 space much better. Then I went down the Ethereum rabbit hole and started it, right? It's just compounding.
0: Yeah, and there's new rabbit holes every day. Sure, in crypto, I'm super interested to hear your answer to this. So, one of the things that we always ask every guest talk a little bit about their superpowers, superpowers, and then also just some of the things they've struggled with. And so, in that first camp, what do you think of as your superpowers? And this can be you as a manager, this could be you as an investor, you as just Chris Saru, and how do you harness those strengths?
1: If I had to boil it down to one thing, not just as a manager, I think me as a human being, which is enabled any piece of business success that I was able to have is probably emotional intelligence. It's kind of how I navigate my daily life from people that I want to surround myself with, to people that I call friends, to founders that I invest in, to clients that I want to manage. It simply just reading people. I have this intuitive way of doing it from reading situations. When I was stepping into the music business at 19, 20 years old, completely blind in business in general, but even how the music business worked, I just kind of navigated it using my intuition and EQ that kind of led me to everything, like picking clients. Like a lot of my clients are really disciplined, really hardworking people. And it would be people in the music business who would make comments go, oh, you're so lucky. Well, no, I'm not. I was really, I chose who I wanted to work with, right? It wasn't, it's not a coincidence. So,
0: yeah, I'd have to say emotional intelligence is number one for me. Super interesting. No one has given that answer. On the flip side, we all have things that we struggle with. And this could be just the way your brain's wired, just the way you like to work. It could be, you know, the industry that you find yourself in. What do you feel like you've struggled with? And how have you either improved on those things or worked around those things over time?
1: if I had to come up with one thing, I'd probably saying being organized. I tend to have a monkey mind a little bit and jump all over the place. So I've had to create that discipline out of feeling that I owe it to people who work for me, owe it to my clients. I can't let things slip through the cracks. So that's something from when I first started to now, I've completely, it has been night and day in terms, I've put things in my life in terms of just keeping track of tasks and notes and I play inbox zero now, which is funny because there was periods in my career when it was just the madness of it. I didn't do email at all. I know that sounds funny, but if someone wanted to get a hold of me, they would have to text or call me. I just couldn't keep up with it. It was too much. I felt it slowed me down and to the evolution of it. Now I play inbox zero. So
0: yeah, it sounds like now you've got a lot more discipline. I yes. guess yeah, and maybe that's another way of saying it. You just have a lot more discipline about process.
1: When I started as a kid, so I've gone through a lot of maturity too.
0: Unsurprising. On the habit and routine side, and this, you can kind of take this in two veins. I think one could be, do you have set habits and routines that you've refined over time that you do every day? And if not, then are there things you've experimented with that you would like tell others, this was great, this had a great impact on my life, this had a great impact on my performance. So how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, the one underlying thing, That has been a constant. It's dramatically helped me in every aspect of my life, especially businesses, just morning fitness time. So, you know, I've always been in fitness and now I've become a distance runner. So I'll do a minimum an hour, maybe an hour and a half run in the morning. That kind of centers me. I generally get up, we'll have a coffee, take 30 minutes to get ready. And then I'm out the door. And that has been imperative to me because it's one of the only times it's less about the fitness. I really enjoy feeling fit. I really enjoy feeling healthy. But for me, it's more about the mental health component of it. I couldn't explain or articulate why it was so important to me throughout my career. It was my one non-negotiable. I don't care. I haven't took a breakfast meeting god in 10 years maybe it's just not negotiable for me and i couldn't figure out why it was so important What i realized is being an entrepreneur or just even being a human being in 2021 you're constantly being pinged right and it was the one time in my day where my thoughts got to just roam freely and i realized i thought out issues in my life and career and business and found solutions just by being able to think Freely without being pinged. Well, you don't realize when you have your phone attached to you or you're sitting in front of your computer and your emails are popping up, your text messages are popping up, you can't even have a free train of thought because you're constantly getting pulled out of that moment. So it's like getting into that flow state every day is so productive for me that it's a non negotiable.
0: Do you run and listen to music or do you run and just, you know, with nothing, no phone, no music?
1: 50 50 depending on how I'm feeling so I do podcasts or I do music if I find myself lacking the motivation that day I'll generally do music if it's a day where I have a high-level of motivation I can do a podcast and then I'm also fluid if I'm listening to the podcast because I really try to take it in and I notice my thoughts are just going and I'm tuning out of the podcast I'll flip over to music
0: so yeah that makes a lot of sense I mean we talked about this non-negotiable of running in the morning on fitness is there anything you do with diet and sleep That's been an amazing unlock for you and or how has that evolved over time? Just your approach to fitness in general.
1: Great. I've always tried to be very conscious of my diet. And I think when you're working out to the level and degree that I do it. So I did my first marathon in 2019. I also lift several times a week. There's a lot of days a week. I know it sounds odd. I work out twice. I'll do two a days. It was a habit that I started during COVID because of the extra downtime that I had that I realize has improved my life so much and also my business so much that I didn't want to let it go. So a couple days a week, I don't take a lunch and I'll use a lunch hour to go lift. And then in terms of sleep is an area of my adult life that I've tremendously struggled with. And I think it's part of what I just said about a monkey brain. It's hard to shut down and wind down for me. So one of the things that has dramatically helped me, and this may sound odd, I can't stop talking about it to people in my life because it's such an easy hack, is getting sunlight early in the morning directly into your eyes. So I live in Manhattan, I'll go out on my balcony and have a coffee all year round. And I started doing this about a year ago. And it's been the only thing that has been able to help my sleep schedule. I know it sounds funny. It helps you set your circadian rhythm. So what I noticed is at night, I'll actually be tired and it's easier for me to fall asleep. when if I wasn't getting that sunlight in the morning, I tended to feel tired at night. So.
0: Is there like a set amount of time? And are you looking at the sun?
1: <laughs> no, you're just making sure that there's sunlight in your eyes. If it's a cloudy day, it doesn't matter. 10 minutes is all you need. It was actually from a neuroscientist that I follow. He has a great podcast. His name is Andrew Huberman, where he gives that advice out a lot. And I tried it and it worked tremendously.
0: Yeah, I'm blanking on the name of the artist. Rick Rubin, I think, talked about doing that as well, too. And that was like a major unlock for him. It just goes to show how amazing like your body is this fine-tuned machine. You just need to give it the right inputs, <laughs> like making sure it knows that the day started. On the idea side, you talked about podcasts. What books and podcasts have had the biggest impact on the way you think and work? And is there any that you give away to others recommend?
1: Yeah, there's a handful of them. I'm not a huge reader, but there actually been one book that I would say has profoundly changed my life. It's called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And it's about the power of networking. And I didn't realize the power of it. I tended to be head down focused all the time. And one of the issues that I found, it was coming from a place of insecurity where I wouldn't network with people as much because I feel like I wasn't accomplished and couldn't add any value to their lives. And what I realize now is being a little further along in my career, I'll take meetings all the time. If a young person reaches out, wants to get together, wants this, I may even leave that meeting with just the energy from them and I got something out of it. And I didn't realize that is a beautiful part about being collaborative and networking with people and that book had completely opened my eyes to it, changed my life, changed my business. Yeah, in podcasts, there's a handful. Invest like the best, how I built this, that I'll kind of go through. Anthony Pompliano has a great podcast that I really enjoy. So there's a handful of them.
0: It's awesome. I love that you brought up Never Eat Alone, because that's a book that I believe I have. I don't think I've ever read it. So it's it's a good, good nudge. On the software and tool side, you talked about Inbox Zero. Is there just broadly in tools, this could be pieces of software, like superhuman notion, this can be physical, just things that you rely on. What do you use and what's helpful to you in terms of tools?
1: I've started, like I said, Inbox Zero is a newer thing. It's probably two and a half, three years now. What I realized that did it lessens my anxiety around everything that's going on in my business life. I have a lot of stuff going on and I feel like I'm super well aware of everything when I'm at inbox zero and it's helped me kind of find that balance and just to be honest, be more productive. And in terms of tasks, I use a pen and paper. It's right here on my desk. I'm very old school. With that, it works for me. It really does. It's a literal to-do checklist for me and I keep it on a daily basis. When it's done, I'll move on to a fresh page.
0: So I found myself switching to that a couple of years ago and I still will like use things which is the app that I use just to be able to put stuff in almost to get it out of my mind if I'm just not near that piece of paper but there's something just one really gratifying about being able to check something off physically and seeing that page start to fill up throughout the day. Is that what you like about it. What is it that you think is so helpful about using pen and paper.
1: Yeah, because it's kind of a business journal of my week. The same papers in front of me, the same notepads in front of me when I'm on calls, and I might jot certain things down. And yeah, it could be an issue if you're not in front of it all the time. So one of the things that I've done is I email myself. So if I'm out and about and I have something that I need to remember, or remind myself of, I just drop myself an email. So when I am going through my email, when I'm in front of my computer, I could jot whatever I need to down on that paper.
0: One question that we like to ask everyone is, which is a question that I just want to ask it because... I wish this was a more common conversation, which is obviously on this show, we try to get people that have achieved incredible success in something. And one of the insights there is like, everybody fails. And why aren't we asking people to kind of share a failure more often? And so this is my favorite question. And it really is just really broadly, if you can share a favorite failure. And I think what we're trying to get across there is something that I'm sure in the moment was probably painful, but that after the fact, that just ended up being really valuable experience or propelled you in a better direction is there anything there
1: listen there was hundreds of them millions of them throughout my career i was fortunate enough to not to make a tragic mistake in any one of my clients careers i'm very grateful for that i don't know if there's one in particular that stands out to me i think if i can answer in a different way i think part of what's played into my success i have zero fear of failure just zero has never crosses my mind does not bother me has never deterred me from starting anything and i think that's Part of the reason I've been successful is I will dive in without any fear of failure. And that's probably why I've failed so much, because the more you're trying things, the more you're trying to build, I think the more you're going to fail. And to me, I look at it as a positive thing, because I learned so much from it, right? So
0: I think that actually makes a ton of sense, because that's also why you're like, that's not a failure. I tried it, just didn't work. It's like it's not even in your vocabulary.
1: And I have this unique ability, and my business partner, Harrison, reminds me a lot. Literally, probably why I can't answer the question, right? I don't think about it ever again. It's over. Just move on.
0: It's amazing. I wish I had that. (laughs) On the success side, how do you think about success and just what that means to you personally? And do you have a definition of success for yourself? And that can be super loose, can be super refined. Success means something different to everyone. Personal life success for me is dramatically different from
1: my business success, but I think where I'm at now in my life and career, if I can feel like I'm competing in a field and get this competitiveness out every single day and truly enjoy the process of it, that is success to me. It's not attached to any financial outcome. It's literally like, can I achieve both those things on a daily basis? Not every day is gonna look that way. Am I feeling like I'm being competitive in this field that I'm playing in? And number two, am I enjoying the process? That's it.
0: I think that's kind of a wonderful combination. Last question, what are you most grateful for in this phase of your life?
1: my family and friends. I think that should be everybody's answer coming out of the year that was COVID. So that certainly reminded me and highlighted that for me.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know anyone can find you on Twitter at Chris Saru. You're also a visionary music group. People can Google that. People can find that. This has been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for coming on 20 Minute Playbook. Thank you thank you so much for listening. You can find links to everything that we discussed as well as the show notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 70. For more from Chris, listen to our in-depth conversation all about how we broke into the music industry, signed the rapper Logic, and launched Visionary Music Group in episode 69. Visit outlieracademy.com to explore more incredible interviews with the founders of Superhuman, Levels, Rally, Common Stock, and Primal Kitchen, as well as New York Times bestselling authors and many of the world's smartest investors. From our entire team at Outlier Academy, we hope you enjoyed the show. I hope to see you right here next week on 20 Minute Playbook.